Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. For another week of the Working Fans Podcast, this is AJ, I'm the former wrestler, we've got Dave the Ultimate Fan here with us, as we do every week, our producer Joe may, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod, we've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm, we're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. We are Ooh. back this week for a little bit of current uh, pay-per-view talk. Yeah. Just these past couple weekends, the NWA aired their Back on the Attack or Back to the Attack pay-per-view. Slice boogie. Past weekend was ROH's 19th anniversary <clears throat> review. And let's start by talking about the NWA a little bit because you, me, and obviously Randy at home, very pumped about the return of the NWA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been, what, about a year for them now? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. They weren't involved in any COVID stuff at all. I mean, they did that uh, Carnyland for a little while. And they had fun with that. And then they started doing things with uh, Dave Marquez's group. But as far as NWA on its own, by itself, giving us actual in-ring wrestling, yeah. This is the yeah, first since Dave Lasagna screwed the pooch, he, yeah. we didn't have content for a little while. But what was your kind of your first impression about the NWA pay-per-view? It felt like an addition of NWA power. I think it, it would have been better if they had came back with episodes and built up to the pay-per-view. That being said, you can still see the magic of, like, the build. Like, when you watch the uh, video ahead of time of what they did with uh, Damian Sandow. Aaron, yeah, about. Aaron Stevens. And Aaron the, Stevens, and yeah. Tribute. Totally put him over as a great baby face. And just a fantastic, fantastic job. They're really good at that. They're really good at, you know, those builds to pay-per-views and builds to weekly shows. They're good at building a feud. It feels, I've always said this about the NWA. I've always said this about Nick Aldis in particular. They're good at making things feel realistic and important in terms of their main events. Yeah, the their video packages always on point. I think the promos in studio, that gives it a certain feel. Yeah. You were right. It always feels like a big fight feel with Nick Aldis. Yeah. It did feel almost like a glorified edition of power. Yeah. Which isn't bad because we haven't seen them in a year. So we were so excited to see anything. Right. Right. That seeing them come back was good. Yeah. I personally I overall, felt like the first yeah. episode of power yeah. was a little bit more impressive just because you had something to come off of. And now we're getting back into that swing of footage. 
Exactly. That was what I was going to say. Yeah, it's just, that episode of NWA Power that followed was great because I felt like now we're starting to put storylines in progress. Like Aaron Stevens and Kratos are having issues now because Stevens is obviously taking more of a babyface turn and Kratos is berating him throughout the match. And we're seeing stuff happen with Tyrus and Hope. And, you know, we're starting to build stars. It was almost like that pay-per-view was like a hard restart. I don't know if you watched uh, or listened to the latest edition of 83 Weeks when this came out, but the episode was about the Big Bang pay-per-view that never happened. And what was going to happen basically was WCW was going to do a relaunch. They They wanted to go cold for about month, month and a half and then have this new pay-per-view, and they were going to have a new commentary team and a new look, and they want to just kick things off like that. And I feel like on a smaller scale, that's kind of what this is. This pay-per-view was to kick things off and start everything over. Yeah, and I think that's what they did. I mean, with so much of their talent tied up in AEW or leaving for AEW NXT, you had to introduce who you still had, introduce the new bodies, And I think this was a good vehicle for doing it. I was a little bit critical that night of the talent they had on there because of obviously, I mean, Slice Boogie was one of the ones we brought up. We liked seeing Kratos, but it just wasn't the same as having, to me, like a LA Knight having a Thunder Rosa. But Mm -hmm. that's one of the appeals of NWA is they always seem to take whoever they have on their roster and make them bigger, which is cool to see now. And that's the flip side. And that's where things like if they had started off on a bunch of power episodes, I feel like they would have done a better job of reintroducing introducing us to these people. And, you know, the promos and stuff would have got over. And I feel like that's the magic of the NWA since its return is those promos, that studio audience, and just the build of how they get things done. Yeah, I mean, we got to see Matt Cross and Fred Rosser on power episode mm-hmm. one, so... It's cool to see they're bringing more bodies in. Now, this past weekend was the ROH pay-per-view, which they didn't... It wasn't necessarily a hard restart, but it's the first ROH pay-per-view we've watched in a while. And, I mean, I'll give my first impressions of this first. It. This is where I feel like the crowd was really missing. Mm -hmm. There was great in-ring work, good promos leading up to it with Jay Briscoe and EC3. I thought Jonathan Gresham and Dak Draper was a good in-ring match. Jay Lethal and Roosh was another good one. Mm -hmm. We even had an ROH cinematic match with Matt Taven and Vincent. But what were your impressions of this pay-per-view? It was okay. The problem I had with it was a similar problem I have to AEW pay-per-views, but it's worse with Ring of Honor right now because there's no crowd. They go very long. And when you're going that long and you have no audience, it's really hard. And it's tough because, like, it's I know like I, think I compared this to like a sandwich with no condiments. Like, we yeah. finished eating it, but it took a while and it didn't go down easy. No, no, that's why it wasn't bad. No, it just was super dry. And yeah. it, I think it affected the enjoyment of it a mm-hmm. tiny bit. Yeah, it's some. It's just people need to understand promotions. WWE is just as bad as this as anybody, but people need to understand less is more. You know, like that's just the thing. But like, one thing about the pandemic, and we're not talking about WWE here, but like I like the two night WrestleMania thing right now because it's a lot better than having one night of seven hours. That's my point, and that's my thing with this show too. I don't need a four hour Ring of Honor show with no crowd. I know you're charging us. Just give us good action. 
if it's good, we'll like it. Case in point, UFC. Used to be the old days in boxing, you sometimes get pissed at the Tyson fight because it ended in a minute or something. Now the UFC model is you're almost asking for finishes. That's the exciting part. We're looking for the knockouts. And then we want the next fight. People I hang out with, we start watching the show sometimes. And if it's going to like 1.30, 2.30 in the morning, even if they're good fights, we're like, Fuck, I'm tired, bro. <laughs> I yeah, like and that's the reason. That's probably one of the bigger reasons I don't get into UFC yeah. until I've been on a third shift schedule. That is way too late. And it's like, no matter how good the product is, I don't, I really can't be staying up till one, two in the morning to see the main event and right. then have to do like my real life shit the next day. Yeah, case in point, this show ended this week, uh, the UFC show ended a little before 1230. And I was like, wow, this is great. So that's the standard they said. I was like, well, <laughs> we're done before 1230. Fuck yeah. Now, what we were kind of talking about this weekend is between ROH and NWA, these smaller, empty arena shows. Well, I didn't bring it up last night, but it's something I just thought about is that if this had happened a year ago, mm-hmm. it might have been all right because WWE was on the same level. Sure. Everybody was starting out with empty arena shows. But, I mean, we've seen the Thunderdome now. We've seen what AEW has done. Yeah. And it just, it almost felt too stripped down. It did. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, yeah, a year ago, you might have stuck out even, you might have been better. Because we would have been looking like, wow, this action is so great. And they did a good job. And the cinematic match. Yeah, because like, they would have only been down, what, like a month worth of footage. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, we waited so long for ROH. They did come back with TV. So yeah. ROH TV has been going on for a while. Yeah. Your title tournament was one of the things to kick it off. And they kicked it off in such a great way that that's why when it came to this, it was like, all right, it's good. I mean, they still rolled out angles. We got a new faction. Yeah. We got new champions. We got delirious whispering in Rocky Romero's ear. And the, the looks that Caprice Coleman gave were gold. <laughs> Yeah, that guy's great. But let's bring this back then. Let's just because you kind of just made the point. The pure tournament was great. The TV was great. What's the difference? There was two matches, and there were fifteen minute video packages on each of the opponent leading up to the each match, and it was solid. Less was more. We built up those matches with quick, almost like NWA style promos and video packages, and we had two matches in an hour, and it was awesome. And I'm not saying obviously we're looking for two matches on a pay per view, but less is more. You know, more video packages to start a thing up, and boom, let's go. Plus, the pure title tournament has the rules with the three rope breaks. There's the disqualification. There's, Makes it feel different. Yeah, the rules that are built into the match kind of enhance the drama. And that's the point of the cinematic match. That's why I think that's why that's been so prominent in an empty arena era. It's because you kind of almost need something a little bit different. They, they had that, but they could have probably used that a little bit more, too. Just a few more... A little more smoke and mirrors since you don't have the fans. You know, I mean, it's great to have the wrestling action, but I think you need to mix it up a little bit. And, you know, it wouldn't kill to have a little sweetening of an audience. You know, I don't think it would be a big deal. I mean, it's helped impact, I think. Yeah, and we are by no means, like, really complaining because we love NWA, big fans of ROH. It's good to see them back. It's just noticing that it had a different feel from other pay-per-views in yeah. recent times and we thought it was interesting to to know i know i i really don't like for those who know me like i don't really shit on wrestling promotions like even wwe i don't shit on too much i'll, I'll call shit out that sucks oh that fucking sucks 
But for the most part, like even shows that I don't like, like I want them to do good. Like I get upset. I'm like, well, that can you do better, please? Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> you know? we only really talk about the good because you want to focus on what's good. Like, yeah, us so not being deep in the industry, it, it's not like we can con- complain about much right. and have like a leg to stand on. This was just mm-hmm. kind of coming from a fan's point of view, mm-hmm. like. That worked. That didn't work. Now, right. Ian Riccoboni, Caprice Coleman, Rocky Cole. Romero, awesome broadcast team. Yeah, even what the M- NWA did for a broadcast team was good, and that helps that yeah. part of the show. But I feel like they're just so wrestling centric of a program that sometimes you need the little extra things. Like the one thing I couldn't take from the ROH pay per view, at least, was. You don't need the broad camera swings showing you the empty arena where normally right. like if you film the entrance way from the curtain to the ring and to not see those people there, it's like, I don't really need to see that. Why not just yeah. get one shot up the entryway of the guy coming out? Right. That's one thing if um, say they're going to fight out in the crowd and stuff like that once in a while. But if action's going on in the ring, highlight the action in the ring in that regard. Yeah, and I think this is also notable because WrestleMania coming up, they're going to have people in the stands. UFC, we're how many weeks away from the first arena? It might be a little less than a month away. Like two or three weeks, right? Yeah. It's a little less than a month away because it's going to be the same night as the Impact pay-per-view, which is April 24th. It's March 29th as we record this. Oh, Dana White not care about you, brother. Are you going to have the two TV set up since you're born? No, no, no. Uh, Impact moved over to Sunday now. Yeah, uh, impacts not impact. Don't want no part of nobody cares about you, brother. I think yeah, Wells Foreman is in his ear, like, hey, take care of these dudes. Yeah, I love impact. They're not trying to fight nobody. Like, NXT is moving to Tuesday. It's like, we got you, brother. We're going to Thursday. Don't worry about this. Yeah, because Yo, UFC I, on Saturday really, night, we go Sunday. <laughs> they've really learned from the past. Like, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Right. And them going head to head against anybody hasn't necessarily worked. But they're going with the strategy that's worked beautiful with them with partnering with other companies. Sure. Remember a couple of years ago when Impact would partner with Noah? They'd yeah. partner with, I think it's AAA in Mexico. It is AAA, yep. And their TV program featured like a match from Japan, a match from Mexico. So mm. they're starting to take the things that worked a little better and seeming to roll with those. Yeah. And at this point, you know what? They're building momentum and steam. They don't need to pick a fight with anybody. Now, granted, like if AEW or WD end up being on every single night of the week, at some point, then maybe they're just like, all right, we got to fight. But in the meantime, if they can pick a nice primetime spot on a Thursday and it's not conflicted with anybody with a similar program, why not do it? There was no ego involved. They did what was best for them. I respect them for it. Yeah, and I think right now we're lucky where, what, in like a month or two, we could be looking at wrestling every night of the week. If pay-per-views fall in the week, it could be wrestling Monday through Friday, pay-per-view Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> and AEW still has a show coming out, by the way, for Turner. That's still happening at some point. We don't know what night that's on or what, but one that, more hour. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, right now we've got Elevation Dark, Dark Elevation on Mondays. Yeah. NWA still on Tuesdays. AEW Dark still on Tuesdays. Like, Don't forget about that new reality series coming out, brother. <laughs> Cody yeah. and Brandy going to be. Well, that, I mean, <laughs> I, don't watch that. I think any of, if any of us had like a little lady around, maybe we'd watch it with them. But mm-hmm. this is just the boys club right now. 
fuck reality TV. Yeah, no. I, I have no interest in this as a wrestling fan. Like, I know it probably has done some good stuff with WWE with their lady demographic probably in their audience but as oh yeah it brings in a wider array of fans sure. but so we are good also, for the company but it won't be i, I won't be support i won't be watching it yeah way. we're not their target audience right now no, and no i think no. it's disappointing because for all that cody has said about breaking away from the wwe model <laughs> and like the triple h kind of setup you gotta kind of look at what he's doing and he's almost looking like double h right now like triple h jr like that's right baby. wants to mirror that success but do it his own way and i'm not a fan of it but i can't fault him for it because shit you know with this podcast you got to do every little thing you can do to expand to market yourself i mean i don't think we've shot enough for people that wouldn't necessarily be fans of us but mm. sometimes you got to do that stuff if you really want to grow your audience to that degree. Baby, forget about double H. It's going to be quadruple H. I'm better than that man. All right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's the that would be the dusty coming out in him. Yeah, I'm a showman, baby. Stardust, reach for the skies. <laughs> now, Dave, before we wrap this up, any last thoughts on anything? Yeah. Any? This is totally random out of left field, but I'm going to share this story. Uh, it was actually Scott shared it with me from another podcast. I guess a fan wrote it in. Speaking about Dusty Rhodes, I just thought this was a cool story. Kind of makes, as I tell this story, kind of makes Barry Windham look like an asshole, but it makes Dusty look great. So I'm going to share it. So supposedly this fan called in, I believe, or wrote into the Marty and Sarah show. I think you watched them. And basically they were telling a story about Dusty. And uh, this guy, a lot of the NWA wrestlers were getting out and they were at a restaurant, I want to say. And he was there with his sister who had leukemia. And so the guy wants to get like these napkin signed and <clears throat> because he didn't have any for autograph. And he goes to Barry and Barry's basically eating dinner. So he's like, fuck off. And so I was like, okay, that's, you know. And then Dusty Rhodes, I guess, hears this and goes, come here. And uh, he grabs like a shirt from the big event they were. Maybe it was like the bash or something. He says, I'm going to have all these guys sign it. And if anyone gives me any, pro anyone gives you any problems, he's like, they'll have to answer to me. Everybody will sign this. So they all signed the shirt. He goes back, hands it to the guy. Then he goes and sees the girl, who the girl did not want to come over because she felt she looked bad because of leukemia. Dusty goes over, gives the girl a kiss on the head and says, you beautiful baby, don't worry about it. And then walks out the door. If that's not a good guy and a boss fucking ass story, like to me, like I was like, all right, Dusty's just a man all around. So I don't know. I heard that story. Had nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I wanted to share it with people. No, that is a good positive note to end on. Do you remember Lance Von Erich from World Class Championship Wrestling? You can read all about his wrestling career in Portland, in Dallas, and overseas in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. 25 chapters in all. You'll be surprised what you read. Go to LanceByChance.com. I'll be hearing it all day. Fans, welcome back for another week of the 531, where we take your top five list on a particular subject, vote it down to a top three, and then debate it down to a top one. And Dave, this is going to be a lot easier than last week's, right? Oh, man. Everybody was so hot to try and excited to do this, man. Randy Savage matches. Hogan? He's polarizing. You know, he might be the bigger icon, but when it comes to like our hardcore fans, they love Randy Savage. They love the in-ring work. They love the persona. 
Can you blame him? Now let's yeah. start first with Macho Man Randy Osga. He's got <laughs> Savage versus DDP, Great American Bash 97. Mm. Savage versus Flair, WrestleMania 8. Savage versus Steamboat, WrestleMania 3. Mm. Savage versus Sting, Spring Stampede 1998. Savage versus Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship for 1992. Oh. And he's got an honorable mention. Okay, let's hear it. Oh. Savage versus Strange, bro. It never happened anywhere. <laughs> no, of course it didn't. <laughs> That's pretend. <laughs> That's magical. <laughs> I so, do appreciate that. AJ, if only we could have given this list to AJ so we could have popped for that. He was almost here, folks. <laughs> he Randy, so it was so close, but no cigar. He had some make a wishes he had to do. So unfortunately, he couldn't quite get here. Well, I got Mike Flynn. Uh, Otherwise, it's a solid list. I do want to say oh, that. Yeah, it was a solid list. Steamboat, though. Flair, two of his better WWF matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one with Sean is interesting, too. I don't know. Uh, he gave us the date, but I'd be interested in what event that was from. I feel like that's probably a Coliseum video uh, thing. He'll get yeah. to it when he hears this. But, um, and I was yeah, surprised cool. to see a couple WCW ones on there, but Randy's always good for... Getting yeah. us like a variety of lists and getting like usually a deep cut in there as well. Yes, yes. I got my man Michael Flynn. He's got Savage and Flair for Mania Eight, Savage and Steamboat Mania Three. I feel like this is gonna be a pattern with those two. He's got Savage versus Brett, Saturday night's main event in nineteen eighty seven. That's a good one. Savage versus DDP, Halloween Havoc ninety seven, and Savage versus Warrior Mania Seven. I'm gonna have to say he Savage gave Warrior his best match, by the way. That was well done. Nice. Now I've got Jesse from New Hampshire. Obviously, WrestleMania 3 is going to pop up on here. Savage versus Steamboat. Mm -hmm. Savage versus HBK, UK Rampage, 1992. Oh, is that April? Did you say? That's what Randy put April 92. So there you go. That could be that. Spoiler alert. I have the same match, but not sure when it came from. (laughs) He's got Savage versus Hogan, WrestleMania 5. Yep. Savage versus Warrior, WrestleMania 7. Nice. And Savage versus Flair, WrestleMania 8. Yeah, man. Well, we're getting the pattern here, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be maybe a little little more exact than our Hogan was last week because, yeah. you know, Savage, there's a couple matches he had that just stick out in a lot of people's minds. Hogan, it's like some people like his later NWO work. Some mm-hmm. people were a fan of even the, golden the era. NWA, yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was just classic WWF. I got Mikey and Fred from the Facebook page. He's got, get this, Savage versus Steamboat, WrestleMania 3. Savage versus Hogan, WrestleMania 5. Ah, Savage versus HBK, April 19th, 92. I love our fans. You're making me want to go seek out this match now. Savage versus DDP, Halloween Havoc 97. And of course, da, 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 Savage Flair, WrestleMania 8. I'm not surprised we're seeing those Savage Flair, Savage Steamboat matches make the list. They're very good. That's the Uh, second time Savage DDP has popped up from that Halloween Havoc. And it's interesting because Randy had the match earlier in the year, the Great American Bash. He did. And spoiler alert, I have a match with them too on a different pay per view. <laughs> so, wow, so you're making me think that this Savage DDP feud from '97 is worth going back and checking out. It is. Oh, yeah, no, that is. That's actually DDP's best work, I want to say. Unlike Warrior, um, a DDP had other great matches and stuff. But yeah, that Savage DDP feud is what really put DDP on the map. 
And besides, obviously, doing what he did with the NWO. But, I mean, from, yeah, Savage got DDP to that next level right before the world title. And Savage, again, I will say this, too, he gave War his best match. Now, here's the interesting thing about Randy Savage. And it's talked about this, too. Steamboat's talked about this. He didn't just call it in the ring. Savage was meticulous, and he had to go over every single thing. It was only the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, I heard of a story, because he could not do that. And he told Randy, he says, I can't do that. He's like, do me a favor. He's like, let's just call it in the ring. And he says, we can have your stuff as a backup. And if anything goes wrong, we'll try it then. <clears throat> will that work? And Elizabeth basically had to like, kind of like coach him and go, okay, come on, Randy, that could work. And Randy was like, okay, fine. <laughs> so that's how Randy was. So Randy wasn't the guy who called it in the ring, like a lot of older wrestlers like to brag about, but. Randy also got the job done, and Randy had excellent matches. So I would like to say that Devil's Advocate, and a good argument for, hey, you know what? If you want to rehearse everything, maybe it's not what you want, but you know what? Good wrestling's good wrestling, and Randy Savage always had good wrestling. So And doesn't that show like what kind of a mind he had for it that he got to a good match as well, but he was just on one end of it where it had to be planned out versus just going in the ring and pulling it off. Yeah, he was also obviously a very obsessive, and we didn't know the man personally, but from the story, he's a very controlling person. We've heard about his stuff with Liz, and but you know that kind of personality that obsesses about everything, and with details about his, you know, his persona. That you know, it's not surprising that you know, given his athletic ability, you know, the history of his father and everybody in the business, that yeah, he was going to be a superstar. He wasn't going to be denied. Yeah, father ran a promotion down there. And I mean, obviously, that's how him and his brother got into the business. Also in the Guinness Book of World Records for most consecutive zip-ups, Andrew Poffo. Wow. There you go. <laughs> now, the next list I got, Scott from Voluntown. Savage versus Steamboat, WrestleMania 3. Savage versus Flair, WrestleMania 8. Mm. Savage versus Brett, Saturday Night's Main Event, 1987. Yeah. Savage versus Warrior, WrestleMania 7. Savage oh. versus Hogan, WrestleMania 5. Yeah, we're, a lot of matches are popping up here off and on. I will say, so far to me, the two most consistent ones are Savage, Flair, and Steamboat. But boy, those Warrior and Savage matches are sneaking in there a lot too, huh? I mean, yeah, Warrior, Bret Hart, um, that Saturday oh, night main event. Yeah. Got mentioned a couple times. Mm -hmm. Probably going to uh, get mentioned one more at least. Oh, God. look at I'm looking right now ahead. I got Zach St. John here. He's got that Bret Hart match from Saturday night's main event. November 1987. He's got Ted DiBiase, WrestleMania 4, and I love this one. I told him this. He's got Dynamite Kid from the Wrestling Classic. Actually, the first ever WWF pay-per-view. Might have been maybe the closed circuit, but whatever. One of their first big events. And yeah, it was pay-per-view. Ricky Steamboat, WrestleMania 3. And actually, he's one uh, that didn't have Flair 8, but he's got Savage Steamboat, Mania 3, so that's staying on there. But he's also got DDP, Halloween Havoc 97. Wow. I'm I'm surprised how much that's popped up. I mean, maybe I've just blocked that era of WCW out of my mind. It's kind of in that spot where there was still really good stuff, but it was also right before things were going to eventually get bad in 98. So, you know, it's interesting. Because if you think about it, 97, the end of 97 with Hogan and Sting was the first time they met. That was all the great creative that got us there. But then it was that horrible shit finish with Hogan and Sting. And then it's not long, what, 98? That's when WWE really starts to take over at WrestleMania. The ratings start to turn in April, so about five, six months later. Yeah, so who do you got for a list next here? 
I got Brother Jake, Jake St. John. Oh, yeah. Who got us this week, friend of the show, not, author. Refuse Can't to do wait Hulk for that Hogan. new book. Refuse to do Hulk Hogan, brother. Will not put Hulk Hogan over. Uh-huh. No way, no how. But macho man, yeah. Tell me Jake enforces the Jake rule with his savage list. He does not. He's going to give us straight. He's going to give us Steamboat Mania 3. Flair Mania 8, right? After, like, where Zach dropped Mania 8, Flair, Jake picked it up. He's like, hold on, Jake. You forgot something. <laughs> so he's got Jake Roberts from Saturday night's main event with uh, Ooh, Randy Savage. That, yeah. That's a good one. That's heel versus heel. That was very rare. That would happen back in the day. And that was the snake-biting macho man, right? No, 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 no. I don't think so. This is the heel versus heel intercontinental title days. That would be later. That was Unless he's talking about that one, I thought that might have been... I don't know. Now you got me wondering. But yes, that feud that would go on. Either way, we'll give it up to that feud because yeah. I didn't even think about Jake Roberts when I was doing this list. But then right when you said it, I got that thought. And I'm like, how did I not include the snake biting Randy Savage? <clears throat> yeah, well, to me, that they didn't have like their matches weren't as good as these other matches. But from a um, as far as the storyline went and an angle went, oh, it's one of the most famous storylines he's ever been involved in. That angle where the snake bites his arm, still, like, kids today are still scared. Like, they're grown adults now to have, like, <laughs> problems because of that. Oh, yeah, um, I was watching the rude uh, Savage feud from last night. Or no, uh, no, uh, Jake Roberts and Rude. Okay, the one where um, Jake's wife's in the audience. Yeah, because it was yeah. almost like they were debuting the Rude kissing gimmick, and I was mm-hmm. like, holy shit, like, watching these old WWF sets is bringing me back to, like, the, I remember these now as iconic uh-huh. moments, but then as you see it play out, you're like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, it's up. Uh, that the, the rude awakening with the kiss had been done, but this was the first time there was anybody who rejected rude at all, and we were like, "What the hell's going on here?" And then this was the whole thing where uh, you know her husband they they set it up so beautifully. Now you got me remembering it. So they set up so beautifully where she's like. My husband would be mad, and they're like, you know, oh, you got a husband, you know. <laughs> and Rude's such an asshole, and they're like, he works here, and they're like, oh, what is he an usher? And they're like, he's a professional. They're like, oh, you know. And then was he one of the ham and eggers we just beat? And then it's like Jake, the, and then he loses it. The idea of even hearing Jake the Snake, well, you would hang out, and she slaps him, and then here comes Jake, and the fight's on, and then the stuff they were getting away with. Roots wearing those tights of his wife on his face right in the front where his dick is. Oh, my God. I saw ones where it was, like, his hands. It was supposed to be her hands that were either, like, on his ass or, like, framing his thighs on the front. And I was like, Jesus, like, such a classic angle. And it's so wild to see it again as an adult when you're like, oh, shit, they can't do this stuff on TV. No. Yeah, they were family then, too. But they would once in a while push it. Rick Rude would have been canceled quicker than David Starr. He would have been me too a few times. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> to finish up this list, he's also got DiBiase, Mania 4, and DDP, Great American Bash 97. <laughs> wow. Now I'm going to bring you my last list because it's going to be all the greatest hits Savage, Savage versus Steamboat, WrestleMania 3, Savage versus Flair, WrestleMania 8, mm-hmm. Savage versus Hogan, WrestleMania 5, Savage versus Hart, Saturday Night's Main Event 87. Mm. And because I needed a number five, I stole Savage versus HBK UK Rampage 92. That's why I don't know where the fuck that came from. <laughs> Savage versus right HBK just sounds like a solid mm. match. 
Yeah, it's funny to hear the Savage uh, matches with like HBK and Bret Hart because Savage was obviously at a different point in his career when some of those matches took place. But again, two of the all-time greats in WWF history, and there's Randy Savage right there with that era, right there with Hogan. I'll just jump right into my list. I got Savage Steamboat Mania 3. It's one of the greatest matches of all time. Savage Flair, WrestleMania 8. I think this is Flair's best match in WWF, like period. I just think Flair and Savage had awesome chemistry together. I have DDP Savage, but from Spring Stampede 97, which also uh, I believe was the No Holes Barred match they had. And then I have Ted DiBiase, the WrestleMania 4, because it's so iconic to me. Savage getting his first world title, dropping the elbow on DiBiase. Just awesome stuff. And I got Warrior 7. I was a little warrior. I'm one of the few. I will admit that. And uh, I just was back in the day, the music and everything. And I think looking back at the stuff with Warrior, clearly he wasn't really good. But if you look at one match that maybe holds up because of the story and because probably the guy was meticulous about everything they did, it was Randy Savage. So that made my list. Nice. Now, now that I'm looking at our top three, Savage Steamboat, obviously. Savage Flair. Savage Flair. Yeah. And then you got so many DDP matches. Did they dilute each other, though? Because we all picked different events. Um, Great American Bash was in there twice. Yeah. What was the other one? Halloween Havoc was in there twice. You had Spring Stampede. Mm-hmm. I mean, Savage Hogan made the list a few times. It's not on my list, but it definitely made people's lists. God. I mean, other than that, it's like, okay, so Savage Hogan, Savage Let's put Savage War. Hogan on there because either way, that third one's going to get knocked off. It has to get knocked off. In there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. You're getting knocked off. So let's just get right down to it. Savage Flair, Savage Steamboat. I'm only picking Savage Flair because I remember the lead up to it. I remember the WWF magazine <laughs> that I she was mine before that. she was yours, Randy. And I can't wait to kiss the moist lips. <laughs> and it's like, while Savage Steamboat is a classic, like mm-hmm. there's just something about that Savage flair that it got me into this day. It's like, that's my angle. Yeah. I think it's underrated. I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. Our audience obviously did, but, and it's a good match, but everybody always talks about that Savage Steamboat match is one of the greatest. Al Snow was interesting when we had him on. I know he said in other interviews, and I've quoted it before, where he talks about Hogan Andre was the great match because from a business standpoint, it drew the money. And he's right, obviously. And he knows way more about wrestling than any of us do. But, it is funny, right? Because you do also, it is great in that it's like people still talk about that Savage Steamboat match, though. That's the one people go back and watch, and it's right there. And on a card, it had so many matches. If you go back and look at that card, besides Hogan Andre, what's the one that gets brought up still? Savage Steamboat. And it's a work rate match in a company that's not known for that work rate. So yeah. like, it sticks out that much more as like a WWF match that you mm-hmm. know. It's a toss-up. I really like the Savage Flair match. I have a hard time with this. Uh, I'm going to go with this, though. Hey, Kane I- became the best masked wrestler, so I think if Savage Flair wins this and somebody's hurt, they could show up. You know what? I think yeah, Ethan I- Uje would probably pick Flair because he's such a Flair mark. And- he is. You, know, you talked me into it. I was going to say, if we go by the votes as a tiebreaker, I think technically Savage Steamboat was on every list, whereas I know... One person at least didn't have Savage Flair. So <laughs> let's give it to Savage Steamboat then. If everybody voted for it, everybody I did. mean, I'm yeah. going with 
obviously the angle that like I was right. Yeah. You know what? And uh, Savage and Jake, the snake only made one of these lists. If you think about it, but maybe two, but that was one of the best angles of all time. Right. So if it was, if we had a list that said greatest Savage storylines, this would probably be a different list. So, but Savage and and I'm Dave, you know what the music means? Savage steamboat won it this week. And guys, we'll join you again next week for the working fans podcast. Freak out. All right. So that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the working fans podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at fans working. Our Facebook page is working fans wrestling pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think. Also that's working fans wrestling pod at gmail.com follow us on instagram working fans wrestling underscore pod and then as always please continue to listen to us on anchor.fm google podcast spotify breaker overcast pocket cast radio public all your major platforms if you're following us on apple Podcasts, which we are also on now and youtube please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating it helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week 